0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the FortiGuard Labs threat intelligence podcast. Today, we have a super exciting episode where we talk about a new threat actor since February 2022. And I have Gary with me. Gary, how are you?
1: I'm fine, Jonas. Thanks. How are you?
0: Pretty good as well. You know, I'm very excited to do this podcast with you. You joined our team a couple months ago and you have been digging very deep into threat actors activities and I think this will be very valuable to our audience today because Pandora is a new threat actor on the horizon. They have been relatively active since February 2022 and they seem to focus on double extortion and still a lot of things are unclear. So you wrote a blog recently where you were digging quite deep into their current tactics techniques and procedures so today i would like to discuss a little bit more about how do these threat actors these days operate when it comes to ransomware attacks with that being said there have been already quite a bunch of victims out there from these threat actors and we talk about multi billion dollar suppliers to key automotive companies. We have seen over a couple of terabytes leaked on the darknet. So it is a big topic. And when we look about these new threats, first of all, how did you find this ransomware? And what kind of first steps do you usually perform when you discover a new threat like this? Uh,
1: So the source of the um, of the sample itself is the biggest um, malware database of all, it's from Twitter. Um, so it was actually shared on Twitter. Uh, the, the, I don't know how to call them, research group called VX Underground, um, they, they found uh, a sample. Of course, this is always a big problem uh, when there's a new um, actor out there, how to, um, how to get a sample of the malware they are using. And you know this is a big part also in threat intelligence and what we do to try to you know share intelligence with, with each other uh, and by that you know uh, outsource the uh, the efforts on on understanding uh, attackers. So this is what happened here as well. Um, somebody uh, could uh, found a sample and and shared it with the community, and um, we already knew about um, the attacks. Um, as they came out, so there was also uh, a threat signal um, when we heard about uh, the ransomware attack itself. And then later, as we as we uh, get access to the sample, uh, we thought it would be really important to uh, to look at it and understand you know what they're doing um, and and how they are doing everything. Um, so uh, so yeah, that's what we did.
0: That sounds really. Interesting indeed. I think getting the samples itself is very valuable because from there we can do the reverse engineering with you did in this case wonderfully which gives us a lot of insights and I think when you download the sample the first time to your computer and looked at this specific ransomware you were probably able to figure out what threat actors these days do with their current ransomware attacks and when when you did that, what was your first impression? What, what did you do first, and what were your first findings with this specific sample?
1: So uh, when I when I got the sample, um, basically the first thing I did is you know uh, try to to uh, to open it in some kind of disassembler tool um, to understand what the program does. Now. Um, that was that was the first slap in the face um, because from a, from a reverse engineers perspective, uh, Pandora is a pretty difficult sample. So uh, it's very interesting that they invested a lot of time into uh, all kinds of obfuscation and anti anti uh, reverse engineering techniques to basically slow down analysts who are trying to uh, trying to find out how this how this malware functions. Um, I also tried it, um, in my, you know, test environment. So I ran it, it worked. So, uh, you know, at least I was sure that this is a working sample. And then, you know, uh, my, most of my time went on, on trying to circumvent all these, all these, uh, anti reversing techniques. Um, and once I, I got through that, um, that I was able to, uh, you know, to, to, to really understand, uh, what it is doing interesting so on one hand
0: ransomware operators try to make lives people's life on the defensive side more difficult that's why they obfuscate it to slow down the whole process but then once you were able to figure out what it's actually doing in detail i read something that first of all it disables the local security features on the system itself and it collects some user information before um Using some public and private keys. Can you elaborate a little bit more? What the first steps are in this ransomware itself once it's being executed on a certain system?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So yes, it basically does everything what what um, uh, we could ex- we could expect for from a modern ransomware. So um, I also need to point out that this is in this case uh, what I what I think is happening here. It does, that. This malware is executed at the very end of the of the kill chain. So at this point, uh, when this this binary is run, the attackers have already compromised most of the network, and they already recovered the data that they want to use for for extortion, and they already um, exfiltrated um, it uh, from the company. So uh, the, the 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 responsibility of this malware is is just to encrypt everything and and um, and tell the user that they they have been compromised and um, but the sample does it in a in a relatively sophisticated way so um, so what happens when you when when it's ex- executed it's um uh it's going to it's going to unpack itself it's going to collect some information about the about the machine where it's uh, where it's running um, there's also a hard coded uh, public key in the uh, in the in the malware uh, which is used for the for the encryption. Obviously, the private key is not included, so <laughs> um, so the, that's that's only accessible for the uh, for the attackers. And then um, there is also interestingly, there's also a lot of effort into maximizing the impact of the ransomware, um, which not all ransomware does. Um, it does a couple of things like uh, looking at. Making sure that all the drives that are available for that machine are actually mounted, uh, so that so that uh, the sample can then en- encrypt the data on those as well. Um, it also um, it also disables a couple of uh, security features. Um, so it it disables event logging and and it also um, uh, messes with the MC interface, which is which is for security products. Uh, to be, you know, able to scan, let's say, a couple of like scripts, like PowerShell scripts and things like that, more efficiently. So uh, uh, the malware also disables this interface, uh, so that the, the security pro- products uh, um, don't, can't work so efficiently. And yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, definitely interesting, as you say, it runs at the end of the kill chain. So to disable all these security features that threat actors probably use some privilege escalation techniques to have the proper permission to do so. But then as well, it's interesting to see disabling event logging is probably something they do again to make things much more difficult on the defensive side because if there are no logs available, then seeing what's actually happening is much more difficult. And the other point which you mentioned that it searches for mounted drives or unmounted drives on the system is also something which is probably very much related to computers mounting data storages, like for example, NAS and backup systems. And Mm -hmm. if users have permission to these systems and it's mounted somewhere in the network to a specific system, which ransomware is running, then it can additionally encrypt the whole backups, even though we don't have access to the backup system itself Um, before that so as you mentioned uh, very sophisticated also when I saw some multi-threading techniques which Mm -hmm. makes it much more efficient to run right when it comes to encryption because probably encryption part takes a lot of time so can you elaborate a bit why you think thread actors are sometimes investing time for multi-threading purposes I mean so
1: what in the kill chain, when they are actually manually in the network, so, so when the attackers are doing manual actions in the network, you know they can make sure that they, you know, they they stay, you know, under the radar and and um, and don't uh, don't get detected. Uh, once these, they actually deploy this ransomware and files are getting uh, encrypted, then then you know there's there's a limited time before before it gets um, it gets uh, discovered that there is a ransomware uh, attack in progress and obviously this is not done on one machine so uh, you know I think the best way how attackers would approach this is they compromise the domain controller and then they, they deploy uh, the ransomware in all in the whole network uh, simultaneously uh, but once one machine is infected and you know the latest when when the user sees the ransom node uh, Everybody will know that there is a ransomware attack in progress, and that doesn't mean that that it has it has been already deployed on every machine or it it successfully encrypted all the machines. So, I think it's um, it's very important for them to uh, to be as fast as possible uh, with the encryption uh, to make sure that the impact is 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 as 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 much as possible, and that's why that's why they also uh, use multi multi-threading. So. In this case, um, it starts four threads, and basically these four threads are, you know, uh, distributing the encryption job uh, between each other. So uh, as it traverses the file system and enumerates uh, all the directories, um, it's gonna just give give the uh, different files, different threads to be encrypted, and then the ransom note is, is uh, copied in, in, in every folder on the uh, on the machine.
0: I think you highlight a very interesting point here because when I look at some of these threat actors, they provide different kinds of ransomware as a service platforms. And in their industry, they compete against each other because they want to have more customers from their point of view who use their as service offerings. And yeah. sometimes they praise themselves as having better encryption, it being faster than their competitor. And I think this is one of the main important points because they want to make sure once the ransomware drops in a network, it probably doesn't start simultaneously um, on every single system. Sometimes it does. Sometimes they try to uh, hide it and then use timers to really start simultaneously. But in this case, it's similar like on the defensive side. For the offensive side, speed matters a lot. And the faster they can encrypt the systems, the more likely they will be successful in the end. So that's definitely something which is um, important to keep in mind. Additionally, one more thing which I was curious about, I saw there's a certain blacklist. So the threat actor or the whoever runs this malware can decide what kind of folders and files are not being encrypted. Can you elaborate a little bit more why threat actors are doing this and not just encrypt pretty much everything?
1: Yes, um, actually there are two blacklists. One is for uh, folders and file names. Uh, that's basically to avoid encrypting uh, Windows system folders. And the other is um, is a blacklist of uh, of extensions. Um, that's also again to to avoid um, encrypting files that could be important for running the system. Because at the end of the day, you know this is not this is not a. Um, uh, the goal here is not to to destroy the machine. So uh, the goal is to encrypt valuable data. So you know. Um, Threat actors, or at least the Pandora Group, want to make sure that that the the machines they are infecting will be able to uh, keep running to at least you know show the ransom message to the user, uh, you know to make sure that that they got got the message and they have the they will be able to you know contact them to pay the ransom. So it's part of the you know it's part of the requirement of this business model that that the 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 victim understands uh, how they need how they can pay. And get their data back, and um, so this is this is also this is also uh, connects to what you just said that you know this is a business operation. Uh, they need to make sure that 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 the 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 whole process of encryption and payment is as you know easy as possible for the for the victim because that's going to maximize their profit, and and that's what they are trying to uh, trying to achieve with these blacklists as well to make sure that they don't creep all the machines. They just encrypt the, the data that is actually valuable for the user.
0: Interesting. So a lot of steps involved in this specific sample, and it looks like some uh, really professional guys are behind this, which brings me to the next question. We have seen this actor being active since February, so quite new. And due to the nature of them being quite sophisticated already, I have to ask you a little bit uh, more of a difficult question. So. Who who do you think is is behind this? Is this is a completely new actor because usually, where do we show up with such sophisticated techniques? Or do you think this is more part of a rebranding? What are your thoughts on this specific threat actor when you deal with a malware as sophisticated as this one?
1: So I, I myself didn't really work on the, on the attribution part. Uh, I was more focused on the sample itself, uh, but but in the community uh, uh, people. Uh, you know there um, there are people in the intelligence community who who um, who think that this might be a rebranding of the uh, root ransomware, um, which is you know possible. Um, but I, I can't really uh, contribute to that uh, myself. Um, but what I think is um, but what I think is interesting, and and that kind of goes back to what you mentioned about ransomware as a service. Uh, we haven't found any any evidence right now that that Pandora would operate as a ransomware as a service, but my you know personal opinion is that the fact that they uh, they put so much effort into into this into this malware, um, like all the uh, anti reverse engineering techniques, uh, you know disabling security features, um, uh, all these things show me that you know they want to improve it and and make it uh, and make it better and more efficient and i think this might be an indicator that they are going for the uh, ransomware versus a service uh, business model and i think they might be in a good position right now because they made their name now uh, because they had a lot, they got a lot of uh, publicity because of their uh, attacks um in the in the beginning of the year uh so uh, so i think it's possible that they they will at some point change to a uh, ransomware as a service uh, business model
0: very interesting to hear this is a it's a different kind of marketing but definitely one way to put your name out there and yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that was was super interesting Gary any last words from your side regarding uh, pandora
1: um, no i'm i'm interested i think it's 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 a it's a group uh, that is worth to track uh, so um, um, i'm interested where they are going and how they are going to uh, you know improve their uh, operations um maybe for 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 the analysts uh out there you know we collected the the um the ttp's for from the attack matrix in in the blog post so i think it's worth checking out and you know improve your defenses or start hand, hunting for for the sector um because you know I, i'm pretty sure they will be uh, uh they will be active uh, in the in the near future
0: yes definitely all the findings the very much detailed
1: technical analysis can be found
0: on forinet slash blog slash prep research and with that being said thank you so much for joining today gary this was a uh, very insightful and um hopefully having you soon on the podcast again thanks so much for joining
1: yeah thanks very much uh, it was great talking to you and uh, yeah everybody have a good day
0: Bye-bye. Thanks for joining in. We hear you next time.
1: Bye-bye.